0: Welcome, Welcome, friends and fiends, to an episode of Cult and Classic Films Podcast, the podcast where we bring you two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult, and talk about them both. Uh, First, I want to say, please join our mailing list. Uh, We'll have an awesome newsletter coming out monthly, uh, and also all sorts of really cool stuff. You don't want to miss it, and it's totally free. Just go to cultandclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and sign up. With that out of the way... I'm your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff, and this is part two of Squatch Watch, our Bigfoot-themed double feature. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more Bigfoot-themed movies in the future because there are so many. Uh, I have with me today, Tad Mastriani. How are you doing,
1: Tad? Nate, art subjective, right? Uh, yep. Okay. Keep that in mind for later. All right. Sounds good. And we
0: also have longtime contributor, Mandy Longley. How are you doing, Mandy?
2: I'm awesome. Super psyched for podcast night. Super psyched. Yep.
0: Um, Yeah. And and for uh, listeners that haven't been with us for many, many moons, uh, as we're approaching our getting close to our 200th episode, uh, we are in different parts of the country, different coasts in the United States. So some people, this is late. Some people, it's just the afternoon lull. Uh, But whatever it is, we bring our lethargic energy to you every week. Uh, new episodes launch Tuesdays, 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm going to think about that. Okay, so last week we talked about 2013's Willow Creek, uh, which is by comedian legend uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite, who coincidentally also has a new stand-up special out called Soldier for Christ, which uh, by all, I, I saw Eugene Merman uh, posting about how great it was uh, just the other day. So I can't wait to check that out. I urge you all to check it out, too. But Bobcat Goldthwait is himself a big, bigfoot guy, very interested in bigfoot. So he set out to make what he referred to in production as, uh, I think the 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 it was like the Blair Squatch project or something along those lines. It's very Blair Witch project in in vibe and structure. Uh, we had maybe divided uh, recommendations on it, but overall it was a well-produced movie with a clear intent, and it offered some some spook moments along with the general found footage. You know, handy cam, amateur documentary style, problems that often accompany those with some slow moments, etc. But check that out, especially if you're a bigfoot fan. It's definitely rooted in the current, contemporary bigfoot uh, terminology and and I would say facts, but you know, this is very subjective. There's another subjective thing, much like art. Dad is is whether or not bigfoots do all these things and, and the terms that some people who look for bigfoot have started calling them. This week, we have a very different film that is weirdly also somewhat similar in theme, at least, which we'll talk about Bigfoot's Bride. Bigfoot's Bride uh, came out in 2021 from Wild Eye uh, (laughs) distributors, and Wild Eye is famous in the cult film community for always delivering two things Um, one, great covers to their movies. They always pick the sort of best, like, weird, like, exploitation cult movie vibe covers for their movies and two you can almost always expect that they will be horrendously insanely bad movies uh that's not a terrible thing here at cult and classic films we like a lot of bad movies because they're they're self-aware right most of them understand what they are and they're there to entertain you they're not there to um shock and awe you and change your worldview uh in the way that something like the incredible film parasite might they're around to entertain you and maybe shock you with some insanity bigfoot's bride so this movie was written and directed by eric wolford uh whose family members and himself also have bit parts in it it is a short film not short film but it's not that long it's an hour and 18 minutes which considering the fact that it's an ultra low budget feature which we love here generally is not surprising i think that's the act, like the appropriate length. I would probably cut this to an hour, uh, just right off the bat. Uh, but that said, it's a weird one because when you think of a really bad movie, you think of amateur directing, amateur acting, um, party city costuming, and uh, you know, really cheesy di- these days, really cheesy digital blood. This has a weird mix of all of those things with some exceptional moments um that I didn't expect to see. And I, we're just gonna have to dive right in. Uh, I'm gonna outline the plot here. Pretty simple. There is a creature which, from the title, we're called we're told is Bigfoot. That's not clear to me at all. Otherwise, uh, but there is Bigfoot. He's in the woods. He's lonely. He has a really deep, modulated, digital voice. Uh, he makes lots of growling, moaning sounds. He looks like a burn victim, and he kills everyone except for women, which he uh, seeks to woo. And if that fails, sexually assault, or maybe also sexual assault. It's really unclear. Uh, but the movie doesn't, I don't know, the movie really changes tone about halfway through. And I don't know where to start. So I'm going to throw it to my guest. Mandy, what were you expecting
2: from Bigfoot's Bride? And what did you get? Well, I was expecting a Bigfoot of some kind <laughs> that would follow, you know, any of the bigfoot lore or ideas from around the entire world uh i don't think this falls into any of those (laughs) 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 don't think um so that was just bizarre i was like did they get the wrong title on this film like i i don't know but uh it's definitely the
0: right title because they give it to us twice there are two title screens in this movie (laughs)
2: yeah two different times it's just it It was odd i didn't know if they i i didn't if it was like a joke and they were just messing with us or they were just like this is just how we're gonna do this like i didn't get that at all from the film as i don't know maybe that's on me but it was definitely i was expecting bigfoot and we did not get like a Bigfoot. yeah
0: what you said is a joke (laughs) is is kind of telling because i i agree like oftentimes we watch a really bad movie like let's talk about wild eye right wild eye released another film which was a terrible like a really bad almost contemporary youtube clip art kind of vibe um dinosaur movie called ebola rex and like the whole concept is is that they've revived a dinosaur but it's worse it has ebola right like that's (laughs) that's a joke like right away you know it's going to be a ridiculous farce um this movie it starts as a farce and there are moments i mean bigfoot like finds one of its victims or two of its victims because the guy farts like it's it's like it's supposed to be a joke but then we get into some like really awful um you know violence towards women and then and then like this insane uh well i'm just gonna say and again there are spoilers here so if you think that you're gonna be um wowed by surprises in bigfoot's i mean you might be because it's kind of insane the things that happen for spoiler. No reason. there's
2: no big bigfoot right right oh. exactly
0: that's a yeah. big one right away that is a spoiler but um it's not going to ruin your watch if you like this kind of bizarre schlock movie watch it anyway regardless of what we say but bigfoot's bride ends with an alien bigfoot birth uh <laughs> a, a little bigfoot hand or what we're calling bigfoot here bursting out of a woman's pregnant stomach uh I have to say, I honestly didn't expect that to happen, uh, especially, I mean, that was probably I didn't even that wasn't even a possibility in, until past an hour into the movie before we even knew that this existed. And but bef- again, the first half is like a goofy horror comedy almost. Um Bigfoot is lumbering. He I will give this. The credits for the the arms, the hands and stuff are given to a woman in this film, so clearly they made it for the film. But there's no credit for the mask, to my knowledge, which tells me that this was a purchased mask, pre-made, which it is a very good mask. Um, it is not Bigfoot, but it is a very good mask. It's very much a Jason mask, like, without the hockey mask, you know, a, a sort of deformed, potentially burned, you know, very messed up teeth. Like, it's it's a pretty good mask. It's just, it's coupled with, like, a faux fur coat and denim <laughs> This is perhaps the most strange for Bigfoot denim coveralls. Mm-hmm. And then his feet, which we see several times, are actually, like, you know, Target Halloween ape feet. Like, the, the hand, like, eight feet. And they're totally different color. Like, you could have you spray-painted them or something to make them match the rest of the skin, you know, which is kind of a brown, murky, reddish-brown. Uh, these are just straight-up gray, um, you know, Ed Wood... Uh, monkey paws kind of thing or or ape paws and that is the bigfoot uh he is just a big clawed um like hillbilly mechanic out of a texas chainsaw massacre ripoff you know like that kind of thing he even has like a name tag on his his coveralls now i guess we're supposed to assume that like he's killed people and collected their, because he does try on clothes that he picks from like the smallest woman in the world Uh, which, of course, don't fit at one point. And I don't... Everything about this is misleading. As you said, it's very unclear that this is actually a Bigfoot. Um, I said, as I said, there are two title sequences, both of which call it Bigfoot's Bride. It opens with one, and then we have about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of a scene, and then we have a different one also for Bigfoot's Bride. I do not understand the logic in that. I... But, but we get Bigfoot's bride implies, even the the text on the back of the film implies that Bigfoot will be stalking a woman who will be his bride. Well, this woman mm-hmm. is killed like forty five minutes into the movie or so. our Our lead character is essentially killed, and then we have like another thirty minutes of film with totally different people who we have not been introduced to. Uh, so <laughs> it's very it's like pitch black, uh, which I think. Sorry, I think it's an overrated film. We can talk about that someday. But you know, where Vin Diesel is a is a is a supporting character, and then like halfway through, our the character gets killed, and he becomes the main character. Like and that's the most shocking thing. This is just just absent-minded feeling. Um, let's before we move on to some details. Tad, what was your expectation of Bigfoot's Bride? Because I know you're like me. We often like these offbeat, low-budget films. What was your expectation, and what did you get?
1: I feel like uh, Toxic Goes to Camp was probably the most accurate uh, documentary on how to fish that I've seen in years. I think that sums up my experience <laughs> with this film.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's actually pretty good. As as we talked about The Mask, it is very Toxic Avenger. Like, I wouldn't be surprised, if, for those of you that don't know, uh, I think it's legend film, I'm not sure exactly, but they're doing a a remake of The Toxic Avenger. The trauma is not themselves handling, and it's starring Peter Dinklage as, uh, as either the Toxic Avenger or his pre, you know, transformation character. The mask looks like what I expect that to be, like a sort of semi-realistic melted man, as opposed to the beloved Toxic Avenger mask that we have iconically sewn into our brain now. And yes, Toxie goes to camp without any of the charm and the hyper-violence. We'll talk about in detail. No, is
1: none of it insane. Although- the other thing, the only other, honestly, the only other thing I'm going to say about this film, because most of it is just a, um, I, I my brain glo- uh, blacked out, I think, within 20 <laughs> minutes. Uh, one stylistic thing that I did notice was the way the blood was done. And honestly, I liked the effect. I just feel it's in the wrong genre. That effect yeah. feels like it should be in some kind of low budget spaghetti Western, and then it would be amazing. Right in this it, it just needed feels... to be a
0: stylistic choice this just right. feels like we couldn't bunch do of so we already have this yeah so what we're talking about is you'll often see in like i mean we say b but really it's like c-grade films many of which we've talked about here uh, nowadays or sci-fi channel originals that are hacked up from the original film and put on tv kind of thing we'll see digital blood spray like it'll be the only effect in the shot is just clearly fake blood that is not really there it's just a digital application this goes one step beyond that to be actually like hand animated flat red blood spray like like a sticker um and it's the same shot or the same couple blood sprays used over and over again just at different angles but it's there are moments where it is strange because they actually have some blood effect on the screen like real fake blood um but they put it they put this blood effect over it covering most of it up uh, and they also put it at angles that don't make sense sometimes. So like it will be it will be at a part where the person wasn't attacked. Um, it's just very strange. Very, very strange. Uh, the other thing to mention here while we're talking about the effects this is meant to look like a a very degraded grindhouse film in that there's tons of film scratch effect. Lots of um, shadow boxing, you know, which, which is like where it's dark around the edges, which sometimes is used for, for other things, but is often used in a movie like this to make, it, make us think that it's in a, a projector where the, there's a clasp that clamps over the film as it runs through the reel, that that's not shut. And so you get a fuzzy shadow around the edges. And they use that a lot. I didn't hate that. I mean, it's, it's certainly overused here, but whatever. If you're going to do it, you might as well go for it, right? I prefer too much than too little, except there are several moments throughout the film several whole scenes in fact in fact the whole ending like the whole climax is shot with like this really harsh shadow box effect that is it could it effectively cuts like 10% of our screen away um and I I really don't understand that choice I don't I don't get it uh because I would expect them to to just stick with the the film grain there's something else about this too that that I I guess I will credit. I I didn't hate it. This almost feels like the bastard child of Janice.Click who turns out not to actually be related to Janice.Click. They just think they are making a film. The reason I say that is because, you know, we talk a lot about Janice.Click films. In fact, it seems like we can't go through one without mentioning Janice.Click or James Gunn. And Janice.Click, you know, does a lot of really high saturation, inverted colors, um, uh, you know, it's so filmed on on VHS or camcorder, and then really messed with this in order to make that '70s cheap film stock, um, high bleed kind of vibe. They actually did turn the color saturation way up, so the reds are real red. Things that normally wouldn't quite be red are red. Uh, the, the bright colors have a bleed. It's not terrible. I don't mind that because it does remind me of the sort of '80s to '90s shot on video uh you know donald farmer fun you know savage vengeance things like that scream dream so that's okay i give them credit for that but there aren't that many i know what's happening in every scene but i'm not particularly compelled by many of the scenes um and especially because we get like as you said talks he goes camping and it's the the number one documentary on how to fish yeah um the director i believe the director writer's brother plays a guy that gets killed but first we see him in waders fishing and i think he's getting river trout or brook trout or something like that i'm not something. a fish
1: person a fish it looks like that
0: yeah a couple of small fish and then we watch him catch the fish put them on his belt presumably fish some more walk out uh, and then gut and clean the fish next to the stream uh, and then toss the heads into the water that was the coolest shot though i will say like i'm not I, it, the sad thing to me is that two fish had to die for this um but but fortunately
1: they probably were eaten they were cleaned properly etc i'm sure they ate these fish the the so here's the thing nate uh, when they say show don't tell they did what what is implied there is you're also not supposed to show too much or i'm gonna get (laughs) bored but on the plus side like i said i learned how to gut a fish in yeah five easy minutes because i felt like that's how long that scene dragged out
0: oh at least i mean it seems like an eternity (laughs) now they at one point at one point they had when we're talking about the cinematography and stuff i mean i do want to give the director credit Um, Eric Wolford is is credited also um, with having worked as a location scout and a location manager for many films, uh, big films, including uh, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 1 and 2, uh, 2015 Solace, things like that. So he has worked around uh, and in the entertainment industry. Uh, This is his first feature film, to my knowledge, and he did a short film, Music of Eric Zahn, which is based based on one of my personal favorite Lovecraft stories. I'm curious to see that. But this, so he tries some things, right? We talked about the film effects. We talked about um, the, the in-depth real fishing, but there's more like at the beginning when they're near the stream, clearly they had a, a, some sort of underwater camera attachment or like a, a, a water safe for a GoPro, something like that, because there are lots of under the water shots um, or in the water shots looking out of the water. I do not feel any of these pay off except for the bigfoot paw swiping out the fish heads. That actually was, was quite well an excellent done. shot. It, it looks very great. good shot. I mean, it, it actually was like because it was so good, it it distracted from the rest of the picture. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was really good. So I appreciate that they they tried and they they tried to give some interest. Um, the script itself is just it's it's a mess. Often they are, uh, I was telling Tad, this sort of in some ways reminded me of like the quality of Psycho Santa. But Psycho Santa was more, it did have more of a story, even though it's a bunch of linking scenes from this guy's past uh, that seem loosely related. This has just a bunch of, hey, we need more, f- another 15 minutes. Let's introduce another character for Bigfoot to kill. And, and the kills are iffy. There's a... Uh, I believe the director, I could be wrong on this, but I believe the director plays the, I don't know, is he supposed to be like a white reggae guy? Like, I don't understand his character. It's at night. He's wearing, it's just, he just happens to be in the woods in a tent. uh, The Bigfoot comes across. He's wearing like round John Lennon sunglasses, but it's at night in a tent and he's smoking a blunt, but like, there's like this public domain or like, you know, no fee commercial use I guess you would call it reggae music playing. Um, there's really no reason for it. Uh, however, I will say that the Bigfoot beating the tent, you know, killing him by beating on the tent for uh, 30 seconds was, I, I, this scene was fine. I was like, okay, you know what? Yeah, it harkens back to Jason X where he kills the digital campers by hitting each other with the, the tent, I mean, with the sleeping bags. Okay, I buy that. Uh, there are other times when... <laughs> We just have scenes for a long time. You know, we've talked about this on so many episodes. It is the, it's, yeah, it's the number one sin of low budget movies is we just show the audience too much. As you said, you know, whether it's a car parking or getting in a car and driving or a location change to say two lines to get back in the car. Um, this case it's Bigfoot walking, Bigfoot looking, Bigfoot sitting by a stream there's the really strange moment early on where we first learned that bigfoot officially can talk uh in in english and it's when um it's when he's at the creek again and we see this thing in the background to me it looked like a stuffed animal until they showed it to us up close it is a i don't know it's what i expect a costume from like the 40s or 50s to be for a clown it's a plastic one of those vacuum formed plastic like ben cooper clown masks and like he's staring at himself in the water and he's i don't know if he says grotesque or hideous or disgusting something like that some derogatory thing and then he holds the mask over his face which by the way this was an interesting moment if it didn't take 20 minutes if he didn't play with the string then pull the string like up and then let it go and then hold it to his face and look at it and hold it to his face and then he looks at the like water with the face thing on and he's like beautiful okay i get it he thinks he's ugly he doesn't have any friends and he sees that as more human than him okay i can go with that but again you made us sit with it i'm not saying it wouldn't be actually what somebody left to their own devices in the woods might do for five minutes
1: but we don't need to see it it Show us what we need. It's uh, not what you want. How many times have I said it now? It's oh. if you need to make these scenes drag out this long, it means you're padding out your film. It means either go back and write, rewrite the fucking script or just make it a short <laughs> film. Make it like thirty minutes right. That's and it.
0: And the thing is too, look, if you had um I, I knew someone who was an aspiring filmmaker who called it, um I hate this word, but he called it nuggets, right? Give them a little, or cookies or treats, give them a little uh, (laughs) treat every scene. So even if a scene is just, it's necessary for the plot to get them from A to B, or you you are just padding, have something there that's worthwhile or entertaining and engaging. Because otherwise you're just missing an opportunity. And that's what this, this dead boring time is. It's a missed opportunity. So, cause it doesn't take necessarily money. Just be a little creative, show us something. It's the um, same.
1: It's the reason why, e- even though Jeffrey does not understand why we see it this way, but when we see a Janice.Click movie, think about how if you watched the same movie without all the stylistic stuff that they make their films around, it would be the hmm. exact same thing and we'd make the same complaints. But because there's always something there to look at to, to whether kind it's of like
0: visual help. or part of the story or yeah
1: yeah it's it, so there's always something to kind of keep your interest that's what i keep getting at and jeff just <laughs> hates it all it's okay yeah you, and jeff.
0: and as a as a we, we love you jeff as a credit <laughs> to um and by the way janice Starklick click loves jeff it's his favorite part of the show is when jeff talks about <laughs> it, his movies. um janice Starklick click is working right now on a, a film called Squatch Junkies based off of an earlier short and uh, and it's written by someone else so this will be Janice Stocklick's directorial debut uh, directing a script by another person which is very interesting and very excited to see it um, okay so we talked about how the director tries a lot of different visual things um, the biggest problem still being the the added the, the padding it's padding let's call it what it is and so we have a weird looking Bigfoot we have um, random characters that are introduced to get killed, and which happens in slasher movies all the time. But you got to give us then what? Usually, it would give us an interesting kill, some special effects to look at. In this case, we don't really get much of that. Uh, so what do we get? Well, we get, like I said, a main character who doesn't last through the movie. But this is the this is the scene that sold us on watching this film and talking about it, is the one infamous scene this movie is known at least in small circles for which is the uh bigfoot loves pp scene uh bigfoot loves pb so we have we have what we think is the lead character of this movie and i'd hazard to say she is the lead character even though she doesn't last the whole time it's uh jessica megan rivera who's actually still acting i mean this is only 2021 but has been in many tv shows and side characters side bits uh, and i'm sure will continue to act uh she we learn via one-sided phone call is in the woods uh dumps her boyfriend because he's cheating on her and contemplates killing herself here's the thing before we get any farther into bigfoot and her she sets up a full tent and like all of her stuff and then contemplates killing herself if you're gonna kill yourself in the woods i'm not advocating this but why would you set up the tent in the first place that's like the least favorite part of camping why would you do that part before you kill yourself if anything i would kill myself to prevent having to set up the tent i mean
2: (laughs) that is like like midway through setting up the tent like yes exactly totally yeah
0: totally nonsensical um but anyway so that seems basically she's the only character that we actually get any story on which is why it's weird when she's killed because her and bigfoot are the only actual characters in this everybody else is just a prop um so but anyway the famous infamous scene is the pee-pee scene where shortly after we are introduced to her and she's in the woods she squats in the woods pees and bigfoot somehow is but appears behind her to catch her urine in his hand at which point he then smells it like, um, you know, superstar under the armpit to face, just smelling. <laughs> it. And, you know, I, this is I mean, someone told me they're like, oh, well, it has Bigfoot catching a girl's pee in his hand. And I was like, OK, we're sold. We'll watch the movie. Um, and and that was I, I, unfortunately it happens very early in the film. Uh, he does, I think, smell urine at another point in time. We assume he's smelling crap on the ground. Uh, now, I looked this up. I did a little rabbit hole research here on the you internet know, because I was like, this seems like something that might be, you know, some animal, a lot of animals do track pheromones, uh, various things, uh, whether or not uh, a, a female of the species is, uh, uh, is at the right cycle to have children or, or offspring. All these things happen. There are some apes that essentially pee on themselves or, or wipe to attract uh, mates because it is, you know, it's like a territory thing. It it's them, right? It's sort of the musk. I don't know about the the catching pee pee and smelling it from another person. This this is something I could not find exactly anywhere else. I'm not exactly sure what it means. I do think it might be insight into uh director Wolford's uh personal interests. Uh which is fine. That's fine. Uh, nothing nothing wrong with that. We all have our things, but uh, but it was weird to see. And I guess if I had more of that insanity, I would have probably been sold on this movie because it's a wild moment. It's also just wild because there is no feasible way it could physically happen with where the characters were at the time.
2: Yeah. I, I was mean- to, like, she like gets paranoid that she's being watched by something, but like never notices that there's this probably very smelly monster, like yeah. literally underneath her while she's going to the bathroom. Oh,
0: well, after like- she pees. She walks by him and he's doing the equivalent of holding a twig in front of his face, right? Like, it's not quite that, but it's pretty bad. Like, you're just like, is this supposed to be serious? Which is why you're like, okay, it's not serious at all. Which then is why later, when he finally attacks her in her tent, he, he like just becomes a really horrible misogynistic rapist and pulls her tongue out with his teeth when she starts to scream, calls her a bitch, and then we assume tries to assault her. And we think she's dead. Uh, because the tent stops moving uh but sure enough she bursts out of the tent at which point a character we were introduced to like 30 seconds before the grizzled old mountain man who has a shotgun for some ungodly reason and it's, we have no indication of why he's there where he's from uh he shoots her on accident sort of you know all uh many movies have done that and sometimes it's shocking and sometimes it's just okay uh and this is one of those okay uh, so this this character was brilliantly introduced to us to be savagely uh, beaten, potentially raped, and then shot with a shotgun. Cool, Call Love it, it.
1: Call it the term, uh, the proper term. Get Dick Cheney'd.
0: Oh, oh, yes, that truly was his. I mean, it, this guy was a little more svelte, uh, but you know they could have. They could have. <laughs> now here's the thing: if they actually had a guy doing like a full Dick Cheney impression, I'd have been sold. That would have been It would have been funnier. the best, it been, wait, the best it meta been... joke. Well, that's the thing. It's like it took a turn and decided it wasn't going to be funny anymore, which is a bold choice for a film that's, I mean, you know what? Maybe it's not a bold choice. The film already wasn't that funny. So I guess you could move along and say otherwise. But at that point, we then see the Bigfoot fleeing through the woods and we learn that the Bigfoot has a house all the Friday the 13th, part two. Basically, this film takes a lot from the much, obviously much superior friday the 13th part 2 where you learn that jason is alive and he's an adult and he's living in a shack in the woods and kills anyone that gets close and worships his mother's head that's a great movie in my opinion except for the opening that like rehashes the first 15 minutes of the original film's footage but uh this movie takes a lot from that so our grizzled mountain man is like oh no i've killed a woman i'll save you up oh, you're dead because he can't save you but i will go track this guy he finds that he lives in a a, a shack a big shack actually and when he goes in, there's another woman who looks kind of like the woman we just saw. Everyone is wearing the same thing, like a, a speed 80 straps and shorts. By the way, there's no nudity in this film. Uh, uh, you know, there's some titillation, I guess. With Yeah, dad's giving me a thumbs down. Um, and that is something that this film
1: probably could have benefited from because, you know, sex sells. It's a draw, this especially a, for a cult movie. This is exactly the type of movie where you're supposed to have somebody get topless. Right. It like, um, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Um and, and so okay, well,
0: he finds these two people. One of them is pregnant, but we don't even see her really that much. Um, the other woman is like, save her first. So she goes running off. And then the guy helps the the other woman out, at which point they're attacked by well, he shoots. Uh, we're gonna call him Bigfoot. Again, this is a very strange Bigfoot. Uh he shoots Bigfoot, they run out. Bigfoot is again Jason, uh and essentially unstoppable, and chases them down and hatchets them to death with incredibly frequent use of the drawn on blood effect that we discussed earlier. Um, This is where you really get to see it in all its glory. And again, it's just kind of strange because there are one or two scenes where they went out of their way to actually have like a a kind of light squib or blood squirt effect that's actually real physical fake blood. Uh, But they they sometimes just use this over it. I don't know if they saw it in the footage and they were like, it's not enough. This will be better. You know, again, think back to thanks killing is kind of to me the perfect example of how you make a stupid horror film interesting from scene to scene no matter what you think of that movie i defy you to be bored during that movie I adore um, it's that. not boring yeah uh, same thing with uh, chris siever's moist fury like it's not mm. boring right it's just not boring this it one had not. moments of boring yes this one just had so, moments of being
2: you know boring. chocolate appreciation
0: Toblerone. I didn't see a single Toblerone in Bigfoot's pride Um, (laughs) Nope. Just no missed opportunity there. Yeah. Nope. No. No photograph of John Stamos anywhere. I just wasn't wasn't into it. Um. So anyway, but we get we learn also that Bigfoot uh likes to bite women's tongues out so they don't scream while he rapes them, and that's pretty. This sounds horrible. Like it sounds really vile, and it is. I mean. Because the movie does take this tone shift, it is terrible. I I'll hazard to say, as I've said before, it's not as shocking as it sounds because it's really not, not very tense. Um we just are watching people we have no idea who they are do things that make no sense. And every time the Bigfoot talks, I am I was left baffled. Um, because it is a distorted person's voice speaking like, ah, damn it. Fuck a bitch i'm ugly like this but with this really cheap like you know deepening distortion uh you didn't have to have bigfoot talk i cannot stress that enough bigfoot did not need to speak in this movie the only time they tried to use it to any effect is the actual opening scene is like this this backwoods father and son who cursed each other uh hunting in the woods and the i, I think the the father killed at one point and and the kid is listening on the on the walkie-talkie and he hears like get out in the voice that's the only time that we actually his voice means anything and at that point it's also confusing because we haven't seen the bigfoot yet and you're like bigfoot can talk like that was literally the first like i don't understand is bigfoot like a mechanic or someone's kid who's deformed or it's just it didn't i didn't we know he's not right because he had a super mutant child that burst out of this woman's stomach he does by the way uh the bigfoot survives uh and just wanders off being like don't leave me and then she leaves and he's like oh no now i have to ask you guys this before before we get to our our ultimate decision on this film did you guys get to the mid-credit scene tad did you see the mid-credit scene
1: I think this is something you said. Don't forget to do this. And guess what
0: yeah. I did? Ma- Forgot to do it. Mandy, what? did you see the mid credit scene?
2: Was it when you find out he's like an alien? Or yes. like, he like looks so, a hole in reality and like... Yeah.
0: Yes. So, okay. So he's, I thought maybe so I
2: dreamed that, just to be clear.
0: No, no it's right. real. So here's what happens. Um, At the end of the movie, the, the baby bursts out of the one's chest. Bigfoot is not close enough to see it, apparently. So he thinks that all is lost and he's alone he sulks clearly unhappy and sad and lonely i mean you know what's a what's a giant rapist mammal to do i guess and he sulks back into the woods then we get which i will give the the director credit for this we get my favorite kind of titles or credit sequence where the main cast is given short clips from the movie with their names so we know who they are and what they look like I wish every director did this. I do,
2: I really like that too.
0: Yeah, because especially if you're not like a a household name, A-list, B-list celebrity, like you, I don't always know. It's so hard in some of these movies, especially these low budget films to know who the cast is because the names of the people in the script are used infrequently or never used. And you have a lot of characters that come and go and you're like, I don't know who's playing who. So I really appreciate that. But after we get that, uh then it cuts to a scene of our sad somber bigfoot walking down what is i swear to god the trail from attack of the scarecrow from mars another janice Not click reference it isn't because this film was uh made in georgia rather than missouri but still we see him go and he stops and he reaches in his 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 fur vest because let's remember he has a fur vest and pulls out a like old school flashlight ray gun kind of thing clicks the top which gives us a very like sci-fi mechanical 50s click and then points it and opens a portal of some kind in the path and then disappears into it that is the kind of thing that makes me want a sequel because you need insanity like that to make something like this palatable and we got bits of it but i just wish there was more of it um, we get this uh, sort of weak attempt at, like, a really mean-spirited uh, violence exploitation flick in the middle of our, like, comedic garbage sandwich Bigfoot movie. And I prefer the garbage sandwich Bigfoot movie. Uh, and I'm not saying that all, you know, really vile exploitation flicks are without merit. I mean, I talked about, um, was it Sex Crazed Terrorist on Wheels? I believe it was. Apologies if I get it wrong. We talked about that on the pod. Uh, many, many moons ago. And that, I think, is actually a very engaging, effective movie. I recommend it if that's your cup of tea. But to have it in the middle of this movie where there's such a crazy tone shift, and then you go back again to, like, a bonkers motif with the alien thing, I will say it's not shocking to me as a Bigfoot guy, uh, because there actually are uh, some, some Native American tribes in particular that believe Bigfoot is an interdimensional I mean, that's not necessarily the terminology they had in their own belief system, but a a creature that goes between worlds, right? So that's why we don't ever find uh, remnants of them or they're very hard, difficult to find is they're actually more akin to like a spirit that passes through um, different, different realms and has different missions. So it's not totally shocking. You'll see Bigfoot stuff that has this sort of spooky, like phase shifting, you know, uh, dimension jumping element to it. But it's thrown in here for clearly like what moment uh, effect and and I appreciated that and it was one of my favorite it was probably my favorite part of the movie honestly was the alien scene and it made me wish that they had gone down like a Jordan Goff dinosaurs in a mining facility road with this instead of trying to make an exploitation film and and also you could have made it more interesting I think too by saying. This is Bigfoot and everybody thinks it's Bigfoot, but then it turns out to be like a grizzled, you know, maimed person who's lived in the woods, which is kind of the vibe it actually gives. Cause we've seen that to more effective use with like the fun eighties, don't go in the woods and stuff like that. So missed opportunities, but this is an odd one and I'll start our recommendations here. Cause I think we're about wrapping up. There's, there's you know, there's one PP scene and, and it it delivered uh, the PP and uh And maybe that's what a lot of dating shites should do. You know, you have to send in your urine. Someone puts it on their hand and smells it. And if it's a go, they know right away. I don't know. Maybe this movie is ahead of its time that way. But uh, I'm going to say I will recommend Bigfoot's Bride to anyone who is intrigued at the thought and ready to make their own ultra low budget Bigfoot movie. Because I think seeing this will tell you, oh, I can do anything that i want and it's just such an oddball because it's not completely boring all the way through or completely amiss all the way through there are moments of just just really off the wall of weirdness which i love but unfortunately they're very few and far between so anybody else i would not i wouldn't bother watching bigfoot's Brian. see what eric wolford comes out with next rather than than bothering to watch this uh I'm laughing because I don't really know what to say about this movie I was in terms disgusted by the misogyny but also like enraptured by the space Bigfoot so I don't know what to tell anyone other than uh, if you listen to my ramblings and find anything interesting in there or if you just really have to see the only movie I know of where Bigfoot catches PP. I can't say it enough. Bigfoot catches pee-pee. I think I have one more before I get flagged on YouTube for uh, uh, being a bot saying the same praises over and over again, but Bigfoot catches pee-pee in his hand in this movie. So let's move on. Uh, Mandy, would you recommend Bigfoot's Bride from 2021? And if so, why and to who?
2: Uh, I cannot say that I recommend this one because it did not have a big fo- foot, nor did it have a bride, nor did it have enough goofy stuff in between for the shit sandwich uh, that we often love to eat on this podcast, it just, like, it's, it, like, exactly what Nate said. Like, there's just not enough, like, weirdness or consistency to this. Like, it's just not a terrible, like, slasher film from the beginning, like, all the way through. It's not, like, just weird all the way through. It doesn't keep you guessing. Like, I, you know, so I say... A big no on this one, but like there were some moments that were entertaining. <laughs> but yeah, you could cut
0: a right? great trailer. Know, yeah,
2: like yeah, you yeah. could cut a really good trailer. You might get like a thirty-minute movie, like Tad said. But like as it is, like it just—I don't know—doesn't have all the parts to put it together to to really strongly recommend.
0: Fair anybody. point. All right. Fair point. Tad. Would you recommend Bigfoot's Bride from Wild Eye releasing? And if so, why? to who?
1: Nate, if this movie was us going out to lunch, the tip, the, the space on the receipt where it says tip, I would just write no. You didn't like, Tad, this comes out of left
0: field. I have, why didn't you like this movie? Uh, yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> I, again, this is, and part of it is this, right? If we'd only got, if we only get studio films that are polished and even if they're brain dead in script or concept, they're whatever, you know, they're really theater ready movies uh, for the mainstream. If that's all we got, this might be a shock to the system and and something engaging uh, beyond what we've talked about. But that's not the case. We have piles and piles of low budget efforts. Um, things like, yet again, mentioning mentioning Janice.Click um Adam Thorne uh from rightatthemovies.com and like we and Jordan Grob we get all sorts of super low budget uh bizarre films that are entertaining and they're just more engaging than this. I do want to you know I always want to encourage filmmakers. We're here to enjoy film, not here to tear people down. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Eric Wolford does next and I hope he you know there is some promise in here. I'm not going to say that it's a winner because I don't think it is. Um, But I'm curious, and I'm also curious to see his uh, Lovecraft short. So, Orford, if you're out there, send it in. We'll talk about it. Happy to. But other than that, guys, probably a pass on this one, unless you want to make your own weird Bigfoot movie with whatever you have lying around. Because I think this is a good guide on how you can make a scene with nothing, or very little, or things that you happen to have in your basement. Beyond that, giving it a pass. That's it for this episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Please rate us all the stars wherever you get your podcast, all the points. Uh, write a review telling people uh, that you enjoy us uh, if you do. And please send in a picture, a screenshot to us at info at com If you uh, write a review and when it's posted and we will send you some swag. Please also subscribe to our newsletter, which I mentioned earlier at com slash newsletter. You'll get cool stuff in the future. And we have some big announcements coming up, which I'm very excited about. That's about it for this episode. Please uh, be safe. Enjoy each other. Be happy. Be nice. Be kind. Don't be a dick. Don't be a a rapist Bigfoot. That's all I have to say. Thanks so much. And we'll catch you next week with a brand new pairing on Cult and Classic Films Podcast.